It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. This is episode six of our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Okay, anyone feeling a little anxious, a little nervous maybe? Even if your team seems to be set for a potential postseason push, aren't you a little bit apprehensive about how it all might turn out? Such is life these days in the Big East Conference where a little more than beads of sweat separates first from fifth or even sixth place in the league standings. So, Kev, if you're a Friar fan, you're nervous about the possibility of winning a regular season title. If you're a Wildcat fan, you can you stay close enough to Providence knowing you have two games still to play against them? UConn, Marquette, Xavier, Seton Hall, Creighton, how much more can your team do to put themselves in a position to dance? St. John's, Butler, DePaul, can you get on a hot streak? that carry us through the garden into the madness? I mean, Kevin, everybody's got issues here. John, we have issues. They have issues. That's how it is. It's February in college basketball, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone's frantic. It's that time of year where a, a few wins against quad one or even quad two teams on the road, home, we'll take them any way we can. These coaches, uh, they just want their teams healthy, winning, and focused into March, and there's so much to play for with so many teams in the Big East in the postseason mix. Is there a secret here, do you think? You know, years of covering this league, I'm not sure there's any one or two things that a coach or a team can really do. I think you literally, though, at this time of year, have to put on blinders like a racehorse down the stretch and not pay attention to the the horses coming up from behind. I think in this league, we've talked about it throughout the season, you know, Georgetown doesn't have a win and they have so many close losses yeah. within four, within six, certainly within 10 points. That means truly that focus, the old coach speak one game at a time, just worried about the next game on the schedule. It really is the case in the big East. And it also is the case where if you slip up these close games, I think the missing ingredient that you just referred to is winning the close games because there's so, so many of them. All right, let's tip it off today with this week's big East headlines. Providence extends its winning streak in the league to seven games heading into the weekend, winning on the road at Georgetown to move to 20-2 and two overall, 10-1 and one in the conference. The Friars are still the only Big East team unbeaten at home. They're also 6-1 and one on the road. Villanova had a big lead this week on St. John's and then held on for dear life before putting the Johnnies away at MSG. And while the Wildcats had less than healthy Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore struggling at times, Eric Dixon continued his improved play inside to lead the way. UConn is beginning a bounce back after losing to Creighton and Villanova. The Huskies responded this week with a home win over 18th ranked Marquette, giving them an important piece of net real estate with a season sweep of the Golden Eagles. The first Big East triple-double performance came from DePaul's David Jones in a Wednesday night win over Georgetown. 22 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, the first triple-double in school history. The last triple-double in league play came from Butler's Roosevelt Jones in 2016. Five Big East teams remain ranked this week in the Associated Press Top 25 with Providence, Villanova, Marquette, UConn, and Xavier on the list. In the all-important NCAA net rankings, five Big East teams rank in the top 25, six in the top 33, eight in the top 88 nationally at midweek. 
Kev, let's not forget, Marquette currently in fourth place. Creighton has edged its way into fifth in the league standing. Seton Hall and Xavier just a half game behind the Blue Jays. We should also add again, St. John's, Butler, DePaul in this mix, liable to make things really tough on someone besides themselves as we hit this stretch. John, I have to tip my cap to David Jones, a triple-double and a big-time triple-double with, with, like you said, this 22, 14, and 10. That, that's an eye-opening performance. And number two, you mentioned five teams in the top 25 of the net. Only two other leagues can boast that, the Big Ten and the SEC also with five. So the Big East is certainly running with the big dogs and in great position for multiple teams. Yeah, John, I think in the NCAA tournament, you want to be seated in the in certainly the top four lines, but even the top five or six lines give you a chance to do some damage. What's the opportunity, you think, for multiple Big East teams to be seated potentially in the top four lines, the protected lines, if you will? Yeah, the protected lines, I'd say Providence and Villanova would be there right now. The team with the outside shot to get back in there would be Connecticut, but Connecticut obviously is coming off a little bit of a dry spell. Good bounce back win, great bounce back win over Marquette. I'd say UConn would be the third team that would have that chance. All right. Thanks to our Westwood One affiliate stations for being with us. And thanks for catching us on Sirius XM this week, if you're doing so. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast site, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us the review. And thank you to all of our podcast partners. You can catch the podcast always on our website at www.twitby.buzzsprout.com. And you can always listen to the show online, westwoodonesports.com and on bigeast.com. Inside episode six this week, if you're looking at a sleeper for the stretch run, you may need to look no further than Creighton's Blue Jays, who are improving by the day with one of the younger rosters top to bottom in the league. Greg McDermott will explain his philosophy behind building his roster. Fox analyst and former UConn star Donnie Marshall offers his insight on what to expect for that stretch run as well, and who might be positioned to make a move from the outside. On the inside, Few are tougher than Providence's Nate Watson this season, who really seems to be enjoying his super senior year. Nate will join us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. Durham works on Mathis, drives to the left, goes all the way down low, got it rejected, gets his own rebound, goes back up, can't get it. Watson offensive glass, score! And one, he got fouled! How about Durham and Watson? Playing big boy basketball in there. Durham missed the shot, got his own rebound, power move up. Watson gets the offensive rebound and scores in traffic, picks up the foul. And welcome back to This Week in the Big East. You know, this college basketball season has certainly been unlike any other. Not only are we all learning to deal with playing games and continuing our lives through a pandemic, but the athletes are also trying to continue and even finish their careers as they originally hoped and intended to do. The NCAA is allowing, if they choose, an extra year of eligibility so the experience can be as close to normal as possible. Providence Center Nate Watson is one of several in the Big East to take advantage of the rule. He joins us this week in the Big East. So, Nate, I'm wondering at what point did you decide last year that there's just no way I'm going to go out like this and you made the decision for another year in school? I mean, I think I made a decision within like the first, you know, two weeks of playing uh, basketball last season. I mean, I definitely did not like playing in front of no fans. It was a com completely different experience. I never felt anything like that before. So I immediately knew I wanted to come back and play in front of the, the fans at Dunkin' Donuts Center and just have a real senior year because, you know, I didn't even have a senior night last year because yeah. nobody's, you know, celebrated. My parents couldn't come. So I definitely knew I was going to come back. 
And, and Nate, uh, with the team playing so well this year, I, I believe the crowds at the Dunkin' Donuts Center have been, I, I think, the best they've been, yeah. certainly in, you, in your career. Can you speak to that? And how much is the team feeding off that? Oh, it's definitely electric in there. I mean, I mean, we played Marquette you know, a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't even hear myself talk, couldn't hear myself think. The building was freaking vibrating, and it was just it was an amazing experience. Uh, this this year is definitely the loudest I think it's it's ever been, and it's definitely helping us, you know, in the long run because uh, when we feel that energy, we feel like we can't be stopped. You know, let's take that now to the next level a little bit, Nate, because Providence was preseason pick for seventh in the Big East, and yet you guys have been on top of the standings throughout the course of the regular season thus far. So when did you know that this team could be as special as it has turned out to be? Well, I mean, we love being the underdog, so we have something to prove. But I knew immediately as soon as we picked up Al Durham uh, and Justin and I and Noah's coming back, I just knew we were going to be, you know, that team this year. I mean, um, we all, our chemistry is already very, we were already very close and we just met these kids like this summer. So I just knew that this was going to be a special team just because uh, we all are an older team this year and we all have the same goal. And um, so, yeah, that's what I already knew it as soon as they stepped on the campus. You know, Nate, you, you said the word team like four times in that last answer. And that clearly is the deal with the Friars this year. If you look at the stats and I'd have to go uh, look specifically at yourself, but your scoring numbers may be down from the yeah. last couple of years, yeah. but, but the balance on this group with so many guys capable of scoring in double figures or scoring in the twenties or even thirties with Jared Bynum the other day. Uh, can you speak to that balance and how much of a strength it is for your team? Well, yeah, I mean, last year was, it wasn't the best year. I mean, obviously I, I averaged 17 points last year, but that, that didn't mean anything because we, we had a losing season. And then this year we have, you know, more guys are contributing, contributing to the to the whole um, group. We got, uh, you know, multiple guys averaging double figures and Noah's leading the Big East and rebounding. And so just having a whole team who all can contribute to, to as, as a whole will, you know, definitely, uh, you know, make you a winning team. Like we look at Villanova, you know, their whole starting five average, uh, you know, double figures because they all have, you know, that's stapled in their program. They're all just, you know, great players. So credit to them. But, you know, us on us on the Friars, we really listen to coach. You know, coach really hounds us in practice. He's always on us in practice. Every day is like the first day of practice. We're, we're, we have energy. We go hard every single day. Um, there's no Eagles on this team. We all got the same goal, and that's to, you know, win the Big East and win the regular season uh, championship. Providence's Nate Watson joining us this week in the Big East. I, I want to go back to for just a second, Nate, to you know something you referred to a couple of months ago about the 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 experience on this team. That you know when you knew that you had everybody coming back, uh, the experience, and you already had the chemistry. Do you feel like you guys are maybe setting a little bit of a trend because it seems like there are other teams in college basketball, and certainly there are teams in the Big East that had that experience, that had that maturity about them, that are having some success here. How important do you really feel that is, having been around the block a couple of times, in order to have success on the floor? Uh, I think that's uh, very important. I mean, we're not a one-and-done school. So, you know, when, when, you, when you come here, you obviously have something to prove. Um, you know, we, we, we step on the court and, uh, you know, we're just – we're not big headed at all. You know, we're, we're a humble team or a humble group. And I think that will take us a, a long way because, you know, when you're cocky, you know, it shows up. So I, I just think that, uh, like I said before, this group, we all have our, our heads on straight and we all have the common goal. Hey, and Nate, off that, uh, when you came to Providence, you're a big, strong kid, maybe a little heavy. 
Uh, the, the advancement in five years, you know, John and I have been fortunate enough to watch your mature and uh, over these five years, it's been uh, pretty dramatic. Uh, can you speak to maybe how much work that entails yeah. to not only, you know, get your body into great shape, but expand your game. Now you have a jump shot out to 15 feet. Uh, I know coach will never let you shoot three pointers, but we, we see you make those too once in a while. Nate. I mean, it's, it's definitely hard work and you definitely have to have the, the right mental space to, to continue it. But, you know, as, as a freshman, I came here, I was like, you know, 280 and I, I definitely didn't know how hard college was going to be, but I definitely embraced that. And, um, you know, I took it in and became the player I am today. But it's not just credit to me. It's credit to, you know, all the coaches on the coaching staff, you know, uh, Coach White, too, for really helping me become the player I am because, you know, he helped me, you know, lose so much weight and just really, you know, cut down on what I was eating and stuff like that. So it's a lot that, it's a lot that comes into play in order to become, a, you know, a good and great basketball player. It's not just, you know, I mean, uh, some people are naturally talented, but, you know, if you're not on one and done, you have to, you know, get there. You have to put in the extra work you have to you know eat right you have to you know, surround yourself with the right people you know keep your circle small and allow the good people in your circle so it's definitely a lot to to come into play in that nate i gotta ask you uh, an obvious question here that one that i've actually been wanting to ask you for five years now but what's it like to have people hang on you every night like that it push you around and shove you around and treat you like a tackling dummy oh my gosh it's uh <laughs> it's, it's definitely it's just an experience. I mean, freaking guy <laughs> tugging on me, pulling on me. My, my jersey gets ripped every game. I'm, I'm bleeding every game. And it, it's just crazy. But, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, I love the fact that these people think they can fight me in the game and referees don't call anything. I love that because that's that's most people's game plan. I mean, you know, they they all they always say, you know, be physical and blah, blah, blah. And referees know that, but they never call it. I'm just like, oh, my God. Their whole game plan is to – pull and tug on me and you you're not calling it a thing but I mean it's okay I mean I guess that's a compliment to me to being a, a physical presence out there but it's a part of basketball and uh, you know it's, it's not going to get any easier from this point on so mm -hmm. I just got to embrace it and, and Nate uh yes uh the scratches and the blood I guess you can show the referees those things but you're used to them after five years I guess definitely used to them Nate uh obviously a, a historic uh, start for Providence to this season uh, the fans can't wait till the end and see how far you guys can go in March. Uh, how much do you guys talk about the NCAA tournament? Uh, we're only in the second week of, of yeah. February, but you know, everyone, the sport revolves around March madness. What's the talk in the locker room? Well, we focus on one thing at a time, you know, we're as of right now, our main goal is to win the conference championship and that's to keep, you know, the highest record in the league, but um, obviously, we talk about the NCAA tournament and Selection Sunday, but, you know, that's not – that's something we're going to, you know, get to in the future because, you know, we, we obviously are trying to take, you know, things one at a time. We don't want to get too happy, too big-headed, and we definitely have to stay humble because, you know, anything can change in the league. You know, Villanova is right behind us. So, you know, that's why we're not taking any game lightly. We don't play – teams to their record like you know georgetown was you know the bottom of the league but you know we didn't care you know we went out there and played them like they were the top of the league you know so same thing with the paul coming in you know they're a great team so you're they're going to come in with their heads on fire and so are we so you can't look past any team all right final one for you here nate uh out of all the places that you go to all the uh things that you experience you can't count the dunk as part of this what's your favorite building to go play in in the big east Favorite building to go play in? Hmm, that's, hmm. 
So it's not, it's definitely not the Paul. I mean, <laughs> I have my worst games at the Paul for some reason. I don't know why, but um, I would like to say it's between Xavier and Xavier's a mass, it's an amazing place. The fans in there are, are, are insane. I mean, they're definitely <laughs> not to be in that gym screaming underwear. I'm like, why are you screaming underwear at me? But I mean, it was, it was a fun experience. But so Xavier and Butler, I obviously love playing in Butler. That, that gym is, that gym is nice too. Cause you know, it's so historic in there. Now, obviously can't forget MSG. Yeah. 2000 people in there and this is amazing. That's Providence super senior, Nate Watson, a preseason first team, all big East selection for the Friars. Okay, who's hot? We'll have the players of the week, the players to watch, and a blast from the Big East past next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Who's hot? Friars are down two. The Bynum with seven. Oh, my goodness, there's a 30-footer! And Bynum buries it! The Bynum shoot another three. He's been amazing in this ballgame, knocking down shots. 17 for Jared Bynum, and he puts Providence back up one. That was incredible. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara, the player of the week this week. What a remarkable week for junior guard Jared Bynum at Providence. A spectacular performance at Georgetown last weekend. He had 27 of a career-high 32 points, Kev, in the second half. He shot 7 of 8 from three-point range, 51 points in two games, both road wins for the Friars. He is one of those guys that Providence seems to be able to turn to almost every game and rely upon. Opposing coaches cannot be happy. (laughs) Jared Bynum was not high up on the scouting report even a month ago. But he has certainly caught fire. He's one of the leading three-point shooters in the league now. And anyone who missed his unbelievable performance at Georgetown, you got to check it out because every three-pointer seemed to be deeper and deeper <laughs> as, as he th- threw in his seven threes. It was amazing. Freshman of the week, a familiar name, Trey Alexander of Creighton. In a one-in-one week for the Blue Jays, he averaged 10 points and three-and-a-half rebounds, scoring all 11 of his points after halftime in a four-point win at Connecticut and clutch free throws down the stretch to secure the win. On the honor roll this week, love this name, Kovacier McCauley from DePaul. He had a career-high 21 points in a win for the Blue Demons at Xavier, who, by the way, uh, Kev, are undefeated since we talked to Tony Stubblefield. They're getting better in February, certainly a dangerous team. That's what you want. Tyler Kolick from Marquette also on the Big East dollar roll this week. 18 points, six assists, couple of steals in a win over Villanova. Posh Alexander St. John's hurt himself late in the week, but still averaged 17 points, seven and a half assists, you know, in a couple of, uh, actually in a three-game week for St. John's. And I think it's pretty clear, Kev, Posh is going to need to be healthy for the for the Red Storm to have any real opportunities for a March push. No question. One of the most dynamic guards in the league. When he's going, St. John's has a chance in some of these games. When he's not there, it might be asking too much for the Red Storm. Kadari Richmond of Seton Hall also on the honor roll with the wins over Georgetown and Creighton. He averaged 13.7 assists and five and a half rebounds for the Syracuse transfer. And here's a young man that's been coming on strong of late. Eric Dixon from Villanova, 24 points, 12 rebounds in a Villanova win over UConn. He averaged 14 and nine for the week. And I got to tell you, if Nova has an inside present that consistent, Nova is going to be really difficult to beat. Our Big East blast from the past this week, celebrating 40 years of great moments inside Madison Square Garden at the Big East Tournament, jumps into the Wayback Machine again, but for a little shorter trip this week to the beginning of the reconfigured Big East just eight years ago. 
but the matchup was built for the Garden Marquee. McDermott three. Oh, wow, is that something? Wow. Body's flying. Cutting. The other way. There he is. He fires. misses Chapman rebound congratulations to Providence what the newly reconfigured Big East needed more than anything in 2014 was a big time matchup that delivered the goods and when Providence met Creighton for the title the two teams delivered with the Friars Bryce Cotton and the Blue Jays national player of the year in Doug McDermott Cotton led Providence with 23 points an uncanny shooting touch McDermott delivered as he had all season 27 points in the final but he alone couldn't get Creighton over the top it was 65 58 for the Friars who won their first tournament title since 1994 the star power solid the play in the game even better the Friars and the Big East Kev they responded when they needed it you know, John, great game, uh, two great players you highlighted there. But most importantly, you know, that was the first year of the reconfigured Big East, and it told the country that, listen, the Big East is going nowhere. It's Madison Square Garden. It was a sellout that night. A team from Omaha, Nebraska had thousands of fans in New York for the <laughs> right, title. Right. Uh, it, it, it was the exclamation point the Big East was praying for. The star spotlight was shared amongst different players that night. And in front of the sellout crowd, I think it made everybody feel good about where the future of the league was headed. Exactly. That's exactly what it did. And you know, when something like that is shown around the country, it just shows that Big East basketball has a future, has a great future. And how about the National Player of the Year? in the league the very first year. That, that was a stroke of good luck for sure. I'd say the Big East hasn't gone anywhere. You can be a part of future memories like these. Single session tickets are on sale now for the 40th anniversary of the Big East Tournament at Madison Square Garden. Takes place March 9th through the 12th, and Ticketmaster.com is the place to go. While as we approach the postseason a month away, the battle for positioning and seating becomes a large part of the focus for teams. But how does a coach manage the need to compete now with the need to also get better for tomorrow. Creighton's Greg McDermott explains that next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. Pitch pass outside, Champagny back in the game, shoots the three and misses it. Rebound to O'Connell, and now the Jays with a two-on-one, all the way home! AOC, layup and foul, count it! Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. It's time to wring some hands and gnash some teeth for fans across America right about now. NCAA tournament contenders either show what they have or what they don't have. In the Big East, every night there's an opportunity for a team to make noise when and if they need to. Creighton's Blue Jays already have a resume worthy of consideration that includes wins over Villanova, Marquette, and UConn. But, you know, at this time of the season, it's never enough for a coach. Creighton's Greg McDermott joins us this week in the Big East. And, Greg, you know, with the intensity of everything ratcheting up right now, how do you balance the pressure to win with the need to improve the little things? And are those things mutually exclusive? And I ask because you're one of the rarities this year with a younger team. You know, because we're so young, we've really tried to stay process-oriented and not result-oriented. And I just think with a young team, you have to keep it as simple as possible. And, uh, you know, I, I can't really stand up in the locker room and talk about, you know, this is a quad one game and this or this is a quad three game. We can't afford to lose it. You know, they've got enough going through their heads right now. They don't need that extra pressure. And, I, you know, I think all college athletes probably look at that stuff. And especially this time of the year, where do your team stand? But it's not something that we talk about. We're kind of we've kind of just decided this year to take it a day at a time with this young group and try to help them move along. 
and, and improve on a daily basis. And if we do that, hopefully there's enough results in March that we can, you know, we can end up in that tournament somehow. Greg, it, it strikes me that your team has uh, quite a few characteristics that are standing out as the year develop, develops. One is that they don't quit. You know, the cardiac, uh, cardiac Jays, I think you're now 5-0 and oh after trailing at halftime, including the other night against Butler. Usually young teams struggle coming from behind. What makes this team maybe a little different? Well, I thought you were going to say one of those characteristics because we can't make a shot because that's kind of what we're going through right now. Uh, but, you know, it's really, you know, it's a young team and, you know, we've had our shares of ups and downs, uh, you know, going back to the start of the season. But they, they've been a joy to coach and, and they, they truly get along and they pull for each other. They celebrate each other's success. Uh, so there's, you know, when, when things go bad, there's no finger pointing. You know, it's, it's, it's okay. Let's try to figure this out. Let's try to help one another. Let's not, let's not play the blame game. And, you know, I think anytime you take that approach, you have a chance uh, to come out of the locker room and, and maybe come back from a deficit. So, uh, you know, we've also given up some big leads and, you know, I think that's a characteristic sometime of, of a young team as well. Uh, but, you know, as I said, Kevin, this has been an awesome group to coach and, and, and they don't quit and there's a lot of fight. Uh, you know, especially the game at UConn when we lost Cockrenner with 15 minutes to go. And I thought we really showed some metal there because for most of that half, uh, we had three freshmen on the floor with with Nemhart, Alexander and Kaluma. And when you're trying to finish a game in the XL Center uh, against a very talented UConn team with with four freshmen rolling around out there, that's a lot to ask. We, we, we've had to find other ways to win. And defensively, we have some length. Alex O'Connell, 6'5", 6'6". Hawkins is 6'7". Kaluma, 6'8". Yeah. And then if we make a mistake, we send it to the big fellow back there at the rim and call Grenner. And, you know, he's done an unbelievable job of, you know, not only blocking shots, but changing shots or keeping people away from the rim. You know, our defensive field goal percentage at the rim is one of the best in the country. And in large part is due to, you know, his ability to protect that rim with, without fouling. You know, his guy's got like 25 fouls in, in, you know, in 20 games. It's really amazing. Brenner could actually be one of those guys that not only could be a candidate for defensive player of the year in the league, but maybe most improved coach. Yeah. You know, from 12 minutes a game last year as a freshman uh, to the role that he's played this year and, you know, and, and, you know, he's relatively inexperienced as well. As you look, you know, across the, the league and, you know, take a guy like Justin Lewis, who's having a great sophomore season, you know, but Justin played a lot of minutes for them. And he was an, he had an important role as a freshman last year. And Kalkbrenner was, you know, back up to, to Christian Bishop and, and played sparingly off the bench. And he has made a great, great, great strides this season. And, um, you know, obviously doing some things offensively and is beneficent there, but, you know, defensively, he's really changed our ability to do a lot of different things and, and change things up and, you know, send everything to that rim and let him take care of it. No, certainly you guys have done a great job with, with Ryan to get him up to speed, just physically get him, get him up to speed. He's, he's no longer a skinny Ryan Kalkbrenner. Now he's, I, I can imagine in two, hopefully he's still there two years from now, coach. Uh, he's going to be, he could be 250, 260 by the time he's done with college, right? Yeah, I mean, surprisingly enough, Kevin, he's 260 right now. And he, really? doesn't, wow. and he doesn't look like it. Uh, wow. You know, nope. his, his lower body's really, really strong. We've just got to get that upper body stronger. And he, he's really worked on it. And, uh, and, and that's really helped in his game. But I, I think this offseason will be critical to him. And I think, you know, I expect to see a jump uh, from a sophomore to his junior year, much much similar to what he's done from a freshman to sophomore. How about your freshman? Obviously, three of the very best ones in the league. It seems as if everyone takes a different star turn depending on the game. I believe it's 
over 40% of your points are coming from the freshman class. Did you see this as a possibility, you know, back in the fall? Yeah. You know, we really made the decision, uh, Kevin, and, you know, are we going to be able to continue to do it? I don't know. We've continued to try to build a program instead of building a new team every year. And I think it with the transfer portal and immediate eligibility, uh, you know, certainly you have to think about that uh, because you can bring in experienced players, much like Providence has done. You know, Ed, Ed's had some really good pieces to that group uh, and, and they've got them in a, in a great position uh, in the league right now and nationally. Uh, we decided to go with, with a freshman class and, you know, outside of, of, of Nemhart and, and Trey Alexander and Arthur Kaluma, we also have John Christophilus, who was doing a great job. Unfortunately, he just had a foot injury that's going to end the season for him. And then Mason Miller, uh, Mike Miller's son, is redshirty. Uh, and we're really excited about the future he has for us. So, you know, it's just I, I think when you're playing freshman in a normal year, it maybe doesn't seem like such a big deal. But with everybody getting this extra COVID year, you're playing against extremely experienced teams night after night. And, you know, you got 18 year olds playing against 24 year olds. And, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big difference and a big gap. And it's why I'm so proud of the way those guys have performed and they continue uh, to do a really good job with us because you can't forget like our, our most experienced player from last year was Sharif Mitchell and he hasn't played, you know, so he's played sparingly early before we shut him down for the season. So the guy that we were really counting on to be our leader, to be that, set the tone defensively on the top of the floor and, 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 and really push the pace offensively hasn't been available to us all year. No, it probably doesn't mean a, a whole lot in the overall scheme of things, but how are your fans handling this uh, program building ability as opposed to, you know, going older and trying to be at least more competitive right away? Cause right now to me, it looks like you're pretty competitive, especially after what I've seen on TV of late. Yeah. You know, I think our fans, I think they get it. I think they understand, you know, why we did what we did. And I, and obviously we, you know, we brought in Alex O'Connell a year ago, knowing that we're going to lose Mahoney and Jefferson and Valak. Um, and then we added Ryan Hawkins this year, a fifth year senior to give us some stability. Keyshawn Fizel comes off the bench as a fifth year senior. So we brought some guys in to plug that hole. Um, and, you know, Obviously, we're expecting to have Sharif Mitchell, so we thought we could ease Nemhart into it, much like we have uh, Alexander and Kaluma. Uh, but you know, Ryan Nemhart's had to play the lion's share of the minutes simply because uh, we haven't, you know, we don't have anybody else there right now. So, um, you know, our, our fans understand it, and the reality of it is, it's you know, we're we're entering the second week in February. We're we're in the NCAA tournament conversation. Uh, at least it's in our hands right now. Um, so, you know, I don't know that anybody would have expected that back in November when we, you know, trailed Arkansas Pine Bluff by 12 at halftime. So, you know, we, we've made some good strides. We're moving the right direction. Greg, we ask every coach that we have on the show, uh, what they think of the league and everyone says it's, you know, it's the deepest, it's most competitive. Well, Mm -hmm. everyone says that almost every year in the big East, what makes this year different. Yeah. You know, I just think we're really the only young team in the league now, probably, or, you know, Marquette's playing a freshman. I know some, and, and, and Patrick's playing the, the good freshman as well, but uh, there's not many teams that are relying on young players. Most of it is a very, very old league. Uh, and as a result, uh, you know, they, they understand how to play and, and, you know, they, they don't beat themselves. And uh, I just think that the depth of the league is, is really, really good. It's, you know, it's hard. I'm, preparing to play Georgetown as we speak here. And it's hard for me to believe they haven't won a conference game because, you know, they've got length in the front line. They shoot it as well as anybody in the league. They just haven't found a way to win yet. And, and I think Tony's done a great job at DePaul. 
you know, they've been really, really close in a lot of games. And uh, so, you know, across the board, the league is, is better. I think it's much better at the bottom. Uh, and I think, I think there's more depth at the top. Do we have, you know, a team that has three NBA players on it that, that, maybe can make a deep run in, into the final four. I, I don't know. I mean, you have to catch lightning in a bottle, so to speak, when you get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but there is really, really, really good basketball teams. And I think anytime you're in a situation where seven or eight of the teams still have an opportunity to make the NCAA tournament and, and you're entering mid-February, I think you've got a pretty doggone good league. Thanks again to Creighton head coach Greg McDermott for joining us. You want Big East Wars and want to know what it's really like to do battle among the nation's elite? Well, ask a guy who's been in those battles and talks about it nearly every night now for a living. Fox analyst Donnie Marshall joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The National Perspective. Sonogo on the offensive glass has it. Spins, gives over to Jackson on the left wing. Sets a screen for Andre. Andre, great pass. Sonogo lays it in. What a bounce pass as Jackson was about to fall down at the foul line. He found Sonogo. That is sweet chemistry. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook, Kevin McNamara. So once upon a time, he played with guys like Ray Allen, Kevin Ollie, Daron Sheffer, against guys like Kerry Kittles, Arturis Kernishevis, Lawrence Moten, Othella Harrington. Remember any of those guys, Donnie? He was also good enough to be drafted in the NBA where the challenges were obvious every night, played there for five years, and then for the past 19 years, he's worked at explaining and describing what you see on those basketball courts every night. Fox and CBS analyst and former UConn star Donnie Marshall joins us this week in the Big East. Donnie, what do you think was relative in your playing time now 27 years ago that you still find relevant today in the game among players? I would say probably just the pressures, and if not more today, but just the pressures of, of you know, having to deal with going to class and studying on the road and uh, the rigors of your coaches challenging you every day, especially in major conferences. You know, listen, we know that basketball today is big business. I didn't understand that as much when I played. But now having been in my you know 20th year doing this uh, in television, I, I understand that even more the pressures are probably greater for, for players. But they were great for us as well then. Uh, to, to be able to please people, you know, you're, 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 you got to have a social life. You have to have friends, uh, but you want to please your coaches. You want to make your family members proud of you. And, and I think probably for most, you know, 18 to 22 year olds, well, you know, now they're, they're older because they get an extra year, but mm-hmm. you know, in that age range, you want to make your teammates happy as well. You want to feel like, you know, they, they trust, they can trust you and that you're held accountable and you hold yourself accountable. So I think, I think those things in terms of how difficult it is to be a student athlete today uh, were, were relevant back uh, uh, just as relevant when I played. Hey, Donnie, I'm curious, uh, just on the same, you know, way of thinking, uh, do you think the focus on getting to the league is bigger today than it was when you played? You know, aspirations may be greater now, but uh, not the focus. I think, you know, I think most players understand that if they go to major colleges that they have a a great, you know, most, you know, the good players, the guys who start and, you know, there are some that are going to be weeded out, but I, I think if you have, been raised in um, the basketball world and AAU and travel basketball and things like that, then yeah, there's some, there's, there are some high expectations for wanting to, 
you and, and obviously your family members wanting you to get to that next level. The thing I, I think is different now um, than when I was in college is that every player now thinks they can they can play. If not in the NBA, they can be professionals. I mean, every guy believes that they're a pro, and that that has been a big challenge for a lot of college coaches. And I think the reason we see players now more than ever jumping from school to school, oh, you can't give me the minutes I want, or I can't get the touches, then you know what? I, I know I'm going to be a pro. I'm going to go somewhere else and try to develop yeah. those skills. When I played, we were happy to be on a team that was winning and, and getting a free education, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> free in terms of monetary, you, you, you pay for it, you know, when you, in other ways, but Back then it was, hey, oh, there's a couple of scouts at practice. There are two or three at a game. Now, every game you see the list, there's five, 10, sometimes, you know, 20 scouts at, at, at uh, any given game and probably five or six at practice, maybe a little less now because of COVID and some restrictions and people don't want to be exposed to that. But nowadays players, you know, the, the, the focus is is more on, uh, them believing that they're all pros when, let's face it, probably 1% of them are, are truly uh, pros, at least in the, at the NBA level. All right, so let's take a look at the, you know some of that perspective from this year's uh, games, this year's team, this year's players. You're on the modern charging hard here of late. Who's impressed you? Who stood out? What, what's a good storyline you know, for you that you've been following that you've really been impressed to watch uh, unfold? You know, I think the easy way, the easy way to answer it is just to look at the standings and you go straight to the top to Providence. But my expectations for Providence and Ed Cooley have always been very high. I think a, a lot of people in in the Northeast feel the same way, and, and in the Big East every year, you just you know it's no matter what their record is, it's never going to be an easy game. You know they're gonna you're gonna feel it the next day, win win or lose. But the the I think this the story that is that really has catapulted. Uh, the, this university, and I think a little bit of the Big East in terms of the, the teams that are at the bottom or in the middle is Marquette. You know, Shaka Smart takes a job in June. He comes from Texas, a, really a football school, uh, and he's a basketball guy. We knew that from when he was at BCU and what he turned that program into. But to see him take a job in June, only have three players, and I say two and a half because one of those guys really didn't play last season for Marquette. But you, you bring back uh, two three players and now you have to fill in the gaps with with not only good players but character guys and guys who are going to believe and, and buy into to what Shaka Smart teaches which by the way it, it's not that hard I mean what you see on TV and in interviews is is exactly who Shaka Smart is all the time you know there are a lot of guys who give you coach speak and they don't like doing interviews and, and they just give you what they think you want to hear uh, from a from you know a media perspective yeah Shaka Smart is everything that you would want your your sons to have in their lives at, at that age. So I think that story, the way they're they're not just the way they're they've turned that that program around, but the way they're winning, and and even more importantly for me, the way they they lose. You know, they lose with pride and dignity. They know they have to fix some things. Uh, you know, they, they just have a, a character and a class about them. And when you put a team together that fast, that that there's only one place that can come from, and that's that's the top with Chaka Smart. Hey, Donnie, I'm going to bring you to the top of the league. You mentioned Providence uh, and Villanova. looks like those two teams had the best chance to win the regular season championship. Uh, Providence, a surprise. Uh, Villanova, I think we always know they're going to be there. It's a different Villanova team. Uh, Their parts seem to be getting better as the season goes on. And as usual, they're finding ways to win. What what do you think about those two? Yeah, 
Villanova, it has, you know, it, for me, even, even when I say, oh, it's Villanova, they do the same thing. A lot of fans say this, you know, they do, they're going to pump fake you. They're going to drive it. They're going to share the ball. And, and sometimes when you explain that, it sounds boring. It sounds like it's, it's old and dated, but there's nothing old or boring or dated about winning. And that's what Jay Wright continues to, to get from his guys. We hear the same theme with them every year. Well, they don't have a deep bench. You know, they rely a lot on their starters. Well, they've done that for the last seven, eight years. You know, there's and, and I, it, the, the, the funny thing to me is the interesting thing is when people say, oh, they don't have a band or they're not deep. Well, let's face it. You, you guys know this as well as I do. When you get to February and March, you don't want to have to decide as a coach to play how many minutes you're playing your 10th, 9th, 10th or 11th guy. You just don't. Yeah. Now, the only time that, that, that that's a bad thing is when you have an injury. But. As we saw last weekend uh, against UConn, they have Colin Gillespie, who has a little tweak. Justin Moore has a tweak. Next thing you know, they win the game. We don't think they're playing the following game. Those two guys come back. They're right. They're just building over again. Mm -hmm. So the way that they prepare themselves, the way they take care of their bodies, the way that Jay Wright manages not just their minutes in games, but how he manages practices and how the intensity of those practices – uh, is probably to me as is as, as important as uh, you know how much you're going to play guys or who's going to play or not going to play those things managing those personalities and also managing their their time uh, when it comes to practice is, is huge and Jay Wright continues to do that as as well if not better than anyone for Providence you know when you have Ed Cooley said from the beginning he's listen I'm playing all old guys and and that's when I started saying when I when I did some early Providence games I said old is gold. <laughs> because it is. And, and right now you see that at 20 and two, you win with old. Old is gold. And Ed Cooley has proven that to people. Thanks to Fox and CBS analyst Donnie Marshall. Who's got next? What games are on the schedule? What might be at stake? Coming up this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Who's got next this week in the Big East? 36-33 Marquette. Gillespie between the rings. Moves to his left. Covered by Quest to the right side for Slater. Slater's three. It's good. He answers to tie the game at 36. And a critical answer at that, Tom. Big time. Punch, counter punch. John Rook, Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. Who's got next? Well, after a Friday night game, a rare one on Friday with UConn playing at Xavier. Big for both teams. Saturday's got the full slate. All eight teams or another eight teams uh, are involved here. Seton Hall plays at Villanova on Saturday afternoon. Marquette will play at Butler on Saturday evening, uh, Saturday afternoon, I should say. And then DePaul will play at Providence as the Friars get back into it on Saturday night, Kevin. A big one, uh, Seton Hall at Villanova. Hall with a really important 73-71 win against Xavier on Wednesday. So to put two back-to-back, -back, I think Seton Hall is an NCAA tournament team. I think they're going to be an NCAA tournament team that's Underseeded, you know, they might come in at a, you know, maybe an eight, nine. Yeah. No number one seed is going to want to see Seton Hall. That said, they need to get fully healthy. We still have not seen Bryce Aiken back on a consistent basis. Sunday matinee at Madison Square Garden. Uh, it will be UConn playing at St. John's. And then next week on Tuesday, one that's been anticipated for a while here, Villanova gets a chance to play at Providence on Tuesday night. Well, good luck to uh, UConn at, at St. John's. Madison Square Garden could be filled with Husky fans, by the way, John. Ooh, no kidding. Yes. But Villanova-Providence, you know, I think both teams have been waiting for this for a while. We heard from Nate Watson earlier to, in the show. You know, he mentioned Villanova a couple times. The Friars know that Villanova is right behind them. And Villanova, 
They expect to win the Big East regular season championship every year. I can guarantee you that. On Wednesday, Seton Hall at UConn, St. John's at Xavier. Marquette is at home against Georgetown. It'll be a busy day and a busy week for everyone in the league. All these teams are all, all need wins, all need to stay, stay focused on getting to March in, in a good piece. And it's very difficult. A challenge to do that in the Big East. Our thanks to Providence Center, Nate Watson, Creighton head coach Greg McDermott, and Fox and CBS analyst Donnie Marshall for joining us this week. Thanks to our flagship radio stations for all of their broadcast and highlight assistance. Thanks to our producer, Kevin Collins, executive producers, John Paquette, Rick Gentile, and Kevin Ivany of the Big East. Thanks to all of the coaches and administrators at all 11 member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. I'm at JR Broadcaster on Twitter. He's at Kevin McNamara 33. Send us your questions. Use the hashtag T-W-I-T-B-E, TwitBe. We'll be here same time next week for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.